Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Um, I'm going to put a scripture up in John 1.14. The, the video uh, described this and talked about it, uh, but, but the writer, John, he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And as we sit here today, all of us are trying to figure out where do we where do we enter this big story? And over 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus, and he entered this story, and we read how Jesus literally dwelt among us. And here's what's amazing about the understanding of, of the kingdom invading the earthly realm is the kingdom realm is the substance and the earthly realm is kind of this shadow. And how many of you know when the substance invades the shadow, great things happen, amen? And we're in that season where we're trying to figure out where do we as a people, where are we at in this story? And the amazing thing is Jesus didn't just dwell among us, now he actually dwells where? In us. That is good news, folks. He once dwelt among us, but now that one who is full of grace and truth, that word full means overflowing, now he's actually dwelling in us. You are literally the residence of God. That's a staggering thought. And you didn't get a different version of the Holy Spirit than Jesus got. You got the same version. There's no B team in the kingdom of God. <laughs> There's no JV. You get thrown right into the starting lineup when it comes to the Lord. And uh, when we were out in California, uh, one of the, 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 I think the first night I was there, I uh, had a, a dream, and it was a real prophetic dream. It seemed like it went on forever. And in the dream, I was this, I was in a, in a state of, I was a little bit frantic and stressed because I was trying to get this husband who was frantic, trying to get him back to his wife. Okay, so I'm dreaming this thing out. I'm trying to help him get there, but in our path is a bunch of overgrowth, a bunch of trees, a bunch of weeds, and the path was impenetrable. And so I, he wasn't doing any work, and in the dream I'm doing all this work. I'm taking whatever uh, swords and whatever utensils I had, I was trying to cut away the overgrowth. And as we cut, cut that overgrowth away, all of a sudden we heard these engines start firing up, these massive diesel engines. And all of a sudden this heavy equipment started moving in. And in that moment we dropped, I dropped everything that I was using and we sat back and watched all these big road graders and dirt movers begin to move all of this overgrowth out of the way. And all of a sudden, I have the husband, we now pull up to this beautiful home, and now he has access to his bride. And I woke up, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, we're in a season where Jesus is intensifying his desire for his bride. And in that, there's been a lot of, see, sometimes when we have areas of neglect, we cover up for those areas with performance and overgrowth. 
And what the Lord is doing right now in this season, just, just hear me out now, I believe for us as a people and really in the body at large, is he's really bringing the heavy artillery and the equipment in in this hour to do stuff that we couldn't do in our own strength. To begin to move away all that overgrowth. So there's, there's actually a clear path. And the good news is he's desirous of us. And he's frantic about getting back to us. And so whatever that looks like in your life, I just felt like I wanted to pray right now before we jump into the word for uh, just the Lord to clear some paths out. Does that make sense? Maybe there's some overgrowth. could be caused by various things that have kept, maybe you feel like you've been cut off from the goodness of God. And so could we agree as a people right now just to, just to ask the Lord to move some stuff out of the way. Father, we come as the people of God right now. You said where two or three are gathered in your name, you're literally in our midst. And if we agree to anything in this realm, that then the heavenly realm will actually come and bring an answer. And so, Lord, in this season where there's been overgrowth or, or uh, 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 a neglect Father, where weeds have tried to come in and steal, where uh, it's kept us literally cut off from sometimes your goodness, we're asking that you do a miracle today, even in the time we have here, that you'd begin to bring the heavy equipment in, God. Uh, Lord, we thank you for cutting away those things that we couldn't cut away ourselves, for weeding out those things that we can't do in our own strength. And, and Lord, would you reveal your power right now, your, your dunamis power to do a work that we couldn't do in ourselves. And we just... Uh, Come and yield ourselves to your goodness right now. And we, the people of God, we just say yes and amen. 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 In Matthew 5:17, and Pastor Stovall touched on this last week. When you, when you, if you haven't listened to that message, go back and listen to it, please, because he did a great job of breaking down the, the law and the prophets. And in Matthew 5, 7, 17, Jesus said these words. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And he, he described for us that fulfill actually means to bring it to its highest expression. And so when Jesus entered the story, when heaven came to earth in Jesus' entering of the story in the earthly realm, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're gonna talk a lot this morning about the person of the Holy Spirit. Not only does Jesus dwell among us, he's now dwelling in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus fulfilled, and you'll see this on the screen, Jesus fulfilled or brought to its highest expression the law and the prophets, not only for us, but as us. So when you look at Jesus, he's called the second man, which means he's the prototype of the possibilities of a new man. And when I say man, I mean men and women. Meaning, when you see Jesus in his earthly realm ministry, when you see the works that he did, he actually looked at his disciples and said, in John chapter 14, he said, the very works that I do, 
these heaven works that come and manifest through me, these very works you will also do. And they said, you're going to do even greater works than these because I'm going to go to the Father. And what he meant, and you learn this a little bit later in John 16, because if he left, that means he was going to send someone else. And that someone else is called the helper, the comforter. His name is Holy Spirit. And so when Jesus walked the earth, he is the expression of God's ideal of what man could be. Does that make sense? And so it's a picture of a man who's fully yielded, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but also yielded to the Holy Spirit. And so heaven was released through the flesh, literally, because Jesus was full of grace and truth. To its highest expression, when you bumped into Jesus, you bumped into that grace and truth. And so when you see Jesus healing someone, that was the expression of grace and truth being manifested in the earthly realm. Heaven came to earth. Make sense? And so this morning, we're going to look at some scriptures in the book of Romans, and we're going we're to touch on this, this very real dilemma that exists for each one of us. There's this dilemma of having the ideal put in front of us, what to aim for, but then the reality of where we're currently at. Yeah? And when you see the ideal... It's important to understand the picture of that is not meant to depress, it's meant to inspire. God gave the law and the prophets and the law all of the decrees that are bound together in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. He gave all those to distinguish himself from all the other gods. Not just simply things that we could do to attain right standing. More importantly, all those decrees, commands, and laws reveal his otherness. He was making a distinction with diet, with lifestyle, with protocol, with sacrifice, that he is not like every other God. Yeah? So much so with Abraham, every other God demanded a sacrifice of a firstborn child, but, but Abraham is, has an encounter with Yahweh where Yahweh actually provides the sacrifice. A picture of what was to come through Jesus. So the law and the commands were, are more about his otherness and distinction than they are about a behavior or a moral code. And so when you think about holiness, don't just think about morality, Think about distinction. And so Paul, when he was writing to the church in this letter he wrote to the Roman church, we're going to pick it up in Romans chapter 7, verses 10 through 12, and we're going to explore a chunk of Romans 7 and 8 today. And what I really want to do is I want to unpack what it actually means to see the highest expression of the law, not just fulfilled for us, but actually what it means to have it fulfilled in us. Because Jesus didn't just die for us, he died as us. And if he died as us, that means he was raised from the dead as us. Yeah? And so we want to get to the point where we live from the fulfillment, not always trying to get it. I just would argue it's a better way to live the Christian life. It's, a, it's better to follow Jesus full 
you know? Okay, all right. (laughs) Verse 10, the very commandment, now Paul has unpacked in Romans 5, 6, leading up to this point, he's talked about the power of the law, but he's also unpacked the power of grace. And so he's bringing both the revelation of truth and grace. And he's trying to get the people to understand that through Jesus Christ, grace and truth hit their fullest expression. He says in verse 10, the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For the sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it, killed me. So he uses this this verbiage like sin used the commandment to mess him up. Like, how does sin do that? How does sin use a good thing? Because the very next verse, right, he says the law is what? It's holy. The commandment is holy and righteous and good. And what we see right here is Paul's talking about who's in charge. See, if sin is a master then it takes the good provision of God and perverts it. Yeah? So if sin is the ruler, then it takes the good thing, the commandment that points to the ideal. Aren't you glad that we don't have a normal, ordinary, average God? Aren't you glad he sets standards higher than the spirit of our age? You know, as an athlete, I always was grateful for coaches and leaders that always put an expectation that was way higher than anything I thought I could achieve. But it's only like in the kingdom of God where we take these high expectations and they're called a burden. Every other area of life we have high expectations put on us and it's something to aim for. But it's only in the kingdom sometimes because of this weird teaching that can be taught about grace and the law, that now the law feels oppressive and it's this heavy burden. And I hope to have you fall back in love with the law today. It's a weird statement. It's tough. But the law under the right master can bring incredible freedom. Right? I mean, just hear me out. If God through Paul is calling this good, then we have to agree, we gotta start this morning agreeing that the commandment and the law is good. Can I get an agreement? Because you're gonna see the issue's not with the law, the issue is with the weakness of our flesh. Look at your neighbor and say, your flesh is weak. (laughs) Right? Now, Paul begins, and I'm going to read from the message paraphrase because I think it says it, it perfectly. 
And then we'll jump back into the ESV, but we're going to unpack some of Romans 7. We're going to look at 13 through 25. We're just going to read through it because Paul's expressing the very real dilemma of having the kingdom right now, but not yet. Of having Christ right now, but still becoming something we're supposed to become. And the dilemma is that we are a living, breathing contradiction. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to get comfortable with your contradiction, which is you. And here's, let's just, let's just read. Verse 13, I can already hear your next question. Does that mean I can't even trust what is good, that is the law? Is good just as dangerous as evil? No, again, sin simply did what sin is so famous for doing, using the good as a cover to tempt me to do what would finally destroy me. See, when sin is a master, thou shalt not covet for Paul became the very permission to covet more. Because all the commandment did was stir up the realization. See, that's why the Garden of Eden, when they became aware of the knowledge of good and evil, see, if you don't know there's evil, you can't do it. <laughs> right? So catch this. Once they knew evil, they could now exploit one another. So now that we have a knowledge of good and evil, the law reveals what is good and what is evil. Thou shalt not covet. Paul says sin, when it's in control, it takes that law, thou shalt not covet, and stirs up the reality, oh, now I'm covetous. And once you realize you're covetous, you now start coveting because you're made aware of coveting. When you were ignorant of your coveting, you weren't coveting. Right? But now that you're aware of it, now you're coveting all the time. Because the law says you're coveting. And when the law's in charge, it actually manipulates us instead of encouraging us to get help, it dogs us and creates greater alienation. God was having mercy by describing what adultery actually looked like. Okay, well, we'll just keep going. Sin is famous for doing this. By hiding within God's good commandment, Sid did far more mischief than it could have ever accomplished on its own. I can anticipate the response that's coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Paul says, yes, I'm full of myself. Before Jesus, we are full of ourselves. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. You ever, you ever done things you despise? And afterwards you were like, 
I just did something I hate to do. And yet it felt like the right thing to do. So if I can't be trusted, look at your neighbor and say, be careful, I can't be trusted. (laughs) If I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. See, here's what you gotta understand. It's necessary to have God's command because you and I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for ourselves and then follow through on it. (laughs) And don't get mad at God at giving you something you need. But I need something more. There's that thing in us, there's that thing in Paul. I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. It's a good place to stop and just say, Lord, we obviously need help. This is the best place you could be today in the house of God with a bunch of other folks that just need to realize we obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. Oh, my decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. He's talking about good intentions. Something's gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. How many of you got some predictable patterns that show up in times of stress? You you don't even need to plan it out. You don't even need to make provision for it happening. It's just predictable. What if God could invade the predictable? What if these predictable patterns could be dealt with? What if we could live as those that the law has already been fulfilled in? The moment I decided the good sin is is there to trip me up. Truly I delight, and here's what I believe. You wouldn't be here this morning. Something in you actually delights in God's commands. You actually want to hit the mark. I, I really, I fundamentally believe that with every person that's come in here this morning. I think there's something in you that really does want to hit the mark of God. Sincerely, you do. But it's pretty obvious that not all of, my, not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And, I just, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. You ever made that statement, man? When I have kids, I'll never do that. 
You know, you go through things and you're like, man, when I get married, that'll never happen. I've tried everything, nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who could do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. Come on, somebody. He acted to set things right in this life, this life of contradictions, where I want to serve God with all of my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin and do something totally different. This describes every human in this room. This describes us before we came to know Jesus and sometimes describes us after we've come to know Jesus. The longer you were in prison to sin, the more habits that developed over the years. Habits create a habitation. But what if we're inhabited by the creator of the universe? Could it be that he who's in us has a greater power to form and fashion us than the years of habits that got developed before we met him? I always say this, what if there's more of God in you than you in you? Would you pray differently? The real question is this, a lot of this depends on who's in charge. In Romans 8, 1 through 2, which is the continuous thought, Paul, this wasn't separated in Paul's letter. It was a continuous thought. He's basically like, man, who can help me? I need help. I need help. I, is there anybody that can help me? And then praise be to God, Jesus Christ, right, can and does. And then he goes right into this thought, and he says in verses 1 and 2 of Romans 8, there is therefore right now no no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. This is amazing. You're going to see, I've written some bullets here. So depending on who our master is, is it who or whom? Whom? Let's correct that. Depending on whom our master is determines how the law is used and utilized in our daily existence. See, if sin is the master, sin uses the law very differently than if Holy Spirit is the master. We're going to unpack this. We're not free from the law, but in Christ we are free from sin that produces the death. 
If sin is our master, meaning the Holy Spirit is not in us, sin then uses God's law to create judgment, shame, condemnation, and more evil, leading to the separation from God, which is called death. See, spiritually, death is not just ceasing to breathe. It's separation. We literally get into separation anxiety. Sin creates this thought, you will never make it. You can never hit the ideal. So then what happens, what was healthy guilt turns into shame. Shame comes after your identity. See, without Jesus, before I met Jesus, I had to deal with my shame and sin somehow. And so I developed a habitat to deal with my sin. I created ways to create opportunities to continue in it. Yeah? I know none of you actively participated in your sin. It just happened to you. But, but I actually made provision for my sin. Because it was in charge. Yeah? And so what I did is I tried my best to tune my ears out to anything of God's being or law because if I heard that, it would mess up my sin. So I just wanted to suppress the truth by never listening to it. But I still had the effects of missing the mark still show up in my life. Depression, anxiety, fear, worry, suicidal thoughts. Do you understand the expressions of my guilt and shame still kept popping up? And so what I had to do is develop some way to deal with my guilt. And so that meant I had to drink maybe just a little bit more. Then I could sleep longer. But the weird thing is I still woke up and had to face it again. And you got to figure out what do you, where do you go to get rid of this sense of guilt? And the truth is you never do. And so you take comfort in knowing that you're re- there's comfort in retreating from God. And so you just hide from him. Now here's what's amazing about what Paul's about to uncork for us is that we don't have to hide anymore behind the fig leaves. You know, I personally believe that the forbidden fruit was a fig because they hid behind a leaf of a fig tree. We don't have to hide behind and cover up anymore our nakedness and shame. Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus. Shame gets converted into wholeness. Wrath gets converted into grace. This is the beauty of the promise that Jesus made to his own disciples. John 16, 7, he says, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I actually go away. For if I do not go away, 
Who? The helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Helper is parakletos in the Greek. Look what it means. It means intercessor, counselor, consoler, advocate, comforter, assistant, one who pleads another's cause. And if you look at Romans chapter 8, verses 3 through 4, not only do we not have condemnation, it says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. See, what the law could not do this, not because the law was incapable, it was because the weakness of our flesh couldn't do it. The issue is not God's law, the issue is with us. But yet, we've been trained to believe that we can overcome anything, but this is one of those things we can't overcome. We have to switch masters. If sin is master, and then you come and meet Jesus, the king, and now Jesus becomes master, then we receive the promise of the helper. Now the helper who was in him when he walked the earth, now that helper is in us. We've got our own personal consoler, our own assistant, John in 1 John 2, the latter part of the chapter, he says, you have no need that a man teach you. The anointing actually teaches you now. You now have the anointed one in you. Greater is, is he who's in you than he that's in the world. You see, what God did, he, he did what no man could do, what no law could do, and here's how he did it, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. Yeah, he fulfilled the law for us, as us, while on earth, and yet got put to death in the flesh, took the punishment that he didn't deserve, but our sin fully deserved, right? He condemned sin in his own flesh. He died as us, and then when they took him down from the cross, he was buried as us, and then three days later, he rose again from the dead as us. And now when you go pledge your loyalty and you go into that water of baptism, you literally are demonstrating to the foe the old master sin and all his cohorts, all the principalities and powers, you now are identifying with Jesus condemning the sin in his flesh. And now you're burying it, and now you're coming out with the newness of life. I'm convinced some of y'all maybe just need to go through the water today. He's already in you, but you need to have a demonstration to the old master that says, uh-uh, no more. How dare you? Verse four, it says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled where? In us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
we have Perikletos in us. Did you know you are the residence of God himself? You know, truthfully, some people might not choose the kingdom of heaven because in the kingdom of heaven, nothing can be hidden. Come on now, you don't enjoy sin when mom's around. It's hard to enjoy certain types of sin when a parent's around. So sometimes in our habit nature, we still participate in things with our body that's now inhabited by God. We suppress this truth, but the reality is when we use the members of our body and we make an offering to sin, you have to suppress the reality that his presence is in you. And it's not hidden. <laughs> like you have to literally go through a suppression of truth. You have to literally in that moment believe the Holy Spirit's not around. And I'm not trying to freak you. I'm real, please don't hear. I'm not trying to put, I just want to bring truth because it may change you to realize that he's actually there and nothing's hidden and he's still stuck with you. But, 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 just because he's patient doesn't mean he's okay with it. Right? He's just incredibly patient. So what if we stop suppressing that reality? He's with us all the time. We could flip the predictable patterns. That awareness could make you go, ooh, dad's in the room, probably shouldn't lust. Do you understand? Like this could be functionally healthy. Just an awareness, it's the fear of God. It's the realization he's with me and oh my goodness, God himself is in me. And so when we do things that are contrary to the nature of God, it actually suppresses the truth and, and can grieve. Ephesians 4 says we can grieve the Holy Spirit. He's not some little wimp. Ooh, I'm now grieved because you looked at something you shouldn't have, son. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about it's grievous to a dad when he's partnering with his son or daughter and they're doing stuff that's contrary to dad's name. That grieves him. Just like it would grieve any parent. He's different than earthly parents, though he doesn't reject us in his grief. He accepts us. Hoping that over time, grace and truth, grace, truth, and time will bring transformation. Okay. If Holy Spirit is our master, this will be up on the screen. If Holy Spirit is our master and dwells in us, 
then he uses and utilizes the law to produce life through empowering grace. Basically, grace and truth are in us and producing in us the fullest expression of that grace and truth. Grace now empowers what God commands. Grace is both a position and an expression of God with me. Grace without truth becomes an enabling of sin and bondage. Paul wrote to Titus in Titus chapter two, he wrote to this pastor and he said in verse 11, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to, for all people. But here's what grace does because the spirit of grace is in us. The spirit of grace takes the law and then empowers obedience through grace and it trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the age to come. This is a big deal. We're training for reigning. Grace trains us to be prepared to reign with him in the age to come. Here's a simple reality to know whether you've yielded yourself to Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit on a regular basis is that you're actually learning how to renounce ungodliness and your worldly passions are decreasing and you're more self-controlled today than you were three years from, from, from today, three years ago. Yeah? Verse five says in Romans eight, for those who live according to their flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their mind on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. I've found in my existence, wherever I set my mind develops my mindset. And usually what I gaze upon, I start grazing upon. And whatever I graze upon, I start craving. What if we went after the, with the same zeal that we used to go after sin, what if we went after righteousness and holiness with the same zeal we did when we went after sin? Some of y'all were some zealous sinners. You literally created ways to sin. You formed plans. You formulated trips to go to different cities. You literally were zealous. When was the last time you formulated a trip to go pursue Jesus and Holy Spirit? You made provision to show up at a certain place at a certain time to hook up. Oh, oh, ooh, oh, big bad Brian is really, whoa, he's talking about, really? This is odd. Let, <laughs> you know it's true. You had to make effort, provision, money, time management. You used every resource you could to go after sin. <laughs> I 
just put in a little effort to go after righteousness. Just a little. Just make a few appointments with God this week and just see what happens. See, this week, use your hands to break bread. Seriously. This week, use your tongue to build up instead of tear down. You see, you understand what I'm saying? Use the body God gave you to express. See, if you will begin to receive and reflect, you'll be transformed. But if all you do is receive and never reflect, you're missing out on transformation. We're transformed by beholding because in beholding, we're reflecting. I don't know what that little thing was, but it works. <laughs> for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh, verse 8, cannot please God. See, when you're just focused on yourself, you ignore God. And the best way to make a father upset is to ignore him. Because when a kid ignores a father, it feels like disrespect. And if all we can think about is ourselves and we're never thinking about the father, it creates hostility. Mostly inside of us, because there's something in us that knows we got to go be with him, but we're resisting that. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now listen to this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Who's in charge? When Holy Spirit's in charge, put this up there, when he is in us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now equipping and transforming us as we yield, abide, and renew our minds and offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. You now give the members that were once used to promote sin, now you use those same members. Your feet now take you different places. Your hands now break bread. Your mouth now prays prayers. Your hands now are lifted in praise. See, you gotta retrain your, your, your members to make new habits. This week, let your hand drive you to a different route than the one that normally sucks you in. This is very practical. Just give your body this week as the sacrifice. Paul said in Romans 12, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercy of God, to give your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God.
He's already made you holy. He's already made you acceptable through something you couldn't do yourself. Now live from that place of distinction instead of trying to live for it. Live from holiness instead of trying to achieve it in your own strength. Live from the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And here's what it means, yield. When you come to a yield sign, you yield. How do you yield? You first have to slow down. Some of you gotta slow down this week. Look out into that oncoming traffic if you see the kingdom, give it the right of way and stop. And then offer yourself. Let's stand to our feet. Imagine the horsepower in this room. Look around. Imagine what could take place this week in this city. Imagine a bunch of folks that just are committed to yielding the members of their body and letting the Holy Spirit literally take control and possess us this week. See, when you were born again, Holy Spirit came and dwells now in your temple. You now are the sacred space of God. But here's what I want to do before we dismiss. I want us to acknowledge the reality of our contradiction. Yeah? We all are living contradictions, aren't we? Some stuff we know we should do and we just don't do it. There's some stuff we know we shouldn't do and we still do it. So we're going to acknowledge that. But then I want us to to also talk to Holy Spirit and go, you know, I'm, I'm just sorry that, that I actually suppress the truth that you're with me. And I've, I've, I've actually sinned intentionally while completely ignoring that you were with me. And I wanna go forward in our relationship. See, Holy Spirit is a, he's, he's, it's a relationship. And I want us just to repent. I want us to change our minds and our thoughts about that. And let's, let's start again this week. And let's aim differently. And let's aim for the law of God. And, and not fret about whether we hit it or not. Let's know we've already fulfilled it because it was already fulfilled in us because Jesus, the lawgiver, is already in us. So, Lord, here we are, your people. Let's just, if you feel comfortable, um, you know what, even if you don't feel comfortable, lift your hands up because use these hands right now to glorify God. Like, take these hands that maybe got misused at other parts of last week and now it's a new week and you're going, here's my hands, Lord. Here's my feet, here's my tongue, here's my ears, here's my brain, here's me, my whole body. I come right now and I offer it back to you, the appropriate sacrifice. You've made me holy, you've made me acceptable. So here I am, Lord, send me this week. And Holy Spirit, would you forgive us just as the people of God? We, we not only for our own lives, but just in general, forgive us, Holy Spirit, for just ignoring you for rebelling against you, and quite frankly, for, for literally grieving you 
We're so sorry. Help us to become more sensitive and aware of your mighty presence. From this day forward, Lord, we offer ourselves and and we can put our hands down and let's keep our eyes closed. I feel like there's people here today that I just know it. You know Holy Spirit's not actually in you. You feel alienated from God. You feel not only distant, but you feel separated and and, and you want more than just something to close the gap. You want to, you want to be made new. You want to be born again of that other substance. You want to be made whole. If, if that's you right now, would you do me a favor? I want to pray for you. If you want to have Jesus as your master, Holy Spirit as your master, no longer serving sin as the master, would you lift your hands for me right now? Just lift them up all over the room. They're all over the room. Let's give God praise for all those that are lifting their hands right now. And, and as you're lifting your hands, just, just pray with me. Say, Father God, here I am. I, I stop running. And I receive, I receive your grace, I receive your mercy. I wanna be born again, I wanna be born from above, I wanna have that seed that's not corruptible living inside of me and, and I invite you Holy Spirit, Jesus would you save me and Holy Spirit would you invade me? Would you possess me now? And would you fulfill everything that Christ wants fulfilled in me from this day forward? I surrender to your jurisdiction and your lordship. And I say yes, and I say amen. I say let it be today in my life that salvation has come to me in my household. In the mighty name of Jesus, I receive your grace. I receive your deliverance. I surrender to your kingdom in the mighty name of Jesus. Can we give God a big shout, a big clap, a big amen? Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.